Lord, thank you so much for this day you've given us today. Lord, thank you for the chance to come together, to just come together as family. Lord, I thank you for the word that you've given me this morning. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to receiving it. Lord, I pray that as I speak, they wouldn't be my words, but your words. Not my thoughts, but your thoughts. Lord, we thank you and continue to thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, this morning, we are done with our identity series. So, no more identity series. Last week, we had Eric Black and his family, uh, missionaries from Nigeria over here. How many enjoyed that? They had an awesome ministry. We were able to spend some good time with them in the afternoon as well. And, uh, man, what an awesome, awesome ministry they're doing in Nigeria. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 through 7. The beginning of our scripture, the, the, the message this morning is entitled, The Giving Church. The message is entitled, The Giving Church. Now, I want to make something very clear. <clears throat> this church is extremely giving, more than most. The people of this church, I think, love to give. But there's, we're going to go into the nuances of what that means. The giving church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 7 says this. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency, that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Keep going. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I want to speak to you this morning about giving. This is going to be our main scripture for this message. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. We have it split into two groups because it wouldn't fit on the screen all the way. But that entire 1 through 7 is going to contain the message this morning. And I want to begin with the way that Paul begins. Go to the first verse. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Paul begins with this example of sacrificial giving. Paul begins with this church in Macedonia. We have to understand something about the churches of Macedonia. They had been planted by Paul on his second missionary journey. And what's newsworthy about these churches is that God bestowed grace upon them. Grace. The noun grace, that, that word grace, that it, it, the word is charis. Grace appears ten times in chapters 8 and 9. In the times that it's used, we see it used in many different ways. That word charis, that word grace, we see it of spiritual endowment. We see it of divine enablement. We see it as a monetary gift. You say, okay, hold on right there. Are you going to talk about giving money today, Pastor David? 
Don't talk about giving money. We don't want to talk about, let's not talk about giving money. Is it okay to talk about giving money? Yeah? Is it okay? That's not, I don't want you to think at all that that is the main point of the message this morning. The main point of the message is not money. We're going to get into what the, the main point is giving in general. And so let's look at what it says. The, in the times that it's used, so the word charis, it was a monetary gift. It was a word of gratitude. It was also favor or divine goodwill. Here, it refers to the way that despite adverse conditions, God has enabled the Macedonians. The Macedonians, they're here, and it says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Why, why were they so full of poverty? See, you have to understand that Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church is located in Greece. Greece and Macedonia, they were political enemies. Politically, there was always tension. There was always tension. Macedonia was called the barbaric north by the, by the Greeks. And there was always this political rivalry. There was a guy in 338 BC, his name was Philip of Macedon. He united all of Greece through basically brute force. And he united it, but it wasn't destined to last. So now the, the Macedonians are put forth as a competitor. The, the Macedonians, the, the, you, you are the Greek church, you are the Corinthian church. The Macedonians, those, that's, that's the brute force, that's the, that's the barbaric north. But look at what they did. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, you know those Macedonians that we're in a political rivalry with? Look at what they did. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The wording here is pretty important. This great trial of affliction. The wording here also points to the trial that Paul had gone through. The trial of the church. The trial of the church in the world. As Christians, we go against the culture. As Christians, we should be going against the worldly culture. Amen? We're following Christ. We're going against the worldly standard. We're going against the worldly culture. We should be. And so the church in Macedonia was suffering great trial. They were suffering persecution. There was, there was great suffering, great testing, a great trial of affliction. And no further details are given about the nature of the, of the circumstances. No, no details are given about the nature of the affliction. But many times, many people will say that this is the same trouble that Paul faced. The wording shows, it refers to the harassment of the church. It shows the harassment of the early church from the outside world. The harassment of the church. Put another way, it's this. The Macedonians, persecution and suffering was a way of life for them. It was a way of life for the church. The persecution and suffering was a way of life for these churches. And the severe trial that the Macedonian church experienced 
left them in a condition of extreme poverty. The extreme trial that they experienced left them in a condition of extreme poverty. It says they're deep poverty. Deep poverty. Abounded. The phrase is literally down to the depth poverty. Philip Hughes translates, translates it this way. I like this. I can understand this. this they hit rock bottom. They hit rock bottom. They, they had hit the lowest of the low. But it never stopped them from giving. They hit the lowest of the low. In their pain and suffering, they hit rock bottom. But it didn't stop their ability to give. That out of their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. The example here is incredible. The example here for the church is incredible that even in their poverty, even in their suffering, they had joy and they wanted to give. Even in, in, in you know, I, I mean, I know that as, as uh, this last week, as, I mean, just not even as a Christian, just as a person, as a person living in America, if we suffer some kind of suffering or hurt or pain, you know, we, we kind of want to baby that thing, don't we? I was uh, messing with the projector this week. I was trying to get those little pixelated things out of there. And I was pulling it down, and it, and it kind of twisted, and the screw caught my arm and kind of ripped a piece of flesh out. And I, I thought, it didn't bleed at first, but then it started bleeding. And I thought, thank God for workman's comp. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I didn't think that. I thought, man, my arm hurts. And then my wife will say, my, listen, my wife is a, tro a trooper. My, my, my arm hurt. Now, man, my arm hurts. My, now, man, I don't know. I, I got to bandage it. I got you know, to gotta make it feel better. And boy, this hurts. I just, you know what? I just need to take a rest for a while. Because my arm is kind of... You know, I got a little, I got a little cut over here, and boy, that that it's uh, that hurts. My wife's a trooper. She, uh, what? Preach? You want me to preach, honey? You know, she gets sometimes she gets sick. How many women know that if you get sick, you're probably still taking care of the kids, you're probably still cooking, you're probably still doing what you have to do, but you're doing it while you're sick. How many know that if your husband gets sick, uh-oh, <laughs> that that no, there, there will be a shape in the recliner that will not move for many days. There will be a blanket covering them, and you will be asked to give them soup and hot tea, <laughs> right? How many know? How many know this to be true? That in our suffering, 
we feel the need to sulk a little bit. In our suffering, we feel the need to, to be, we want to be taken care of a little bit, right? The Macedonian church here was suffering. The Macedonian church here was suffering. They were in the depths of their bottom. They were, they were on rock bottom. They were at the depths of their suffering. But yet they still found joy. And they still wanted to give. James 1, verse 2 through 3 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That we, we, we count it joy. And this is, this is something that uh, we're kind of uh, not used to. Uh, what, what do you mean? If I experience suffering, I, I should also experience joy. How, how does that work? The Macedonian churches are a testimony that it's possible not to, ex not to merely experience joy, but to have it overflow in your trials. Not to just experience joy, but to have it overflow that they gave according to their ability, and yes, beyond their ability. They gave according to their ability, and then beyond their ability. The persecution didn't take away from their joyfulness. Neither did, it diminish, did the poverty diminish their ability to be generous with what they had. Paul says that their poverty was welled up in rich generosity. The wording here signifies that there was an opening in their hearts when it came to their own possessions. In other words, they had generosity. How many know people who are just desperately poor? Just desperately poor. But they'll give you the shirt off their back. People that are, that are desperately poor, that, that, they, that they can't rub two nickels together. But they will do everything they can to bless somebody. I know people like that. How, how many know some people who are desperately rich? And don't want to give to anybody. I know people like that too. Desperately poor. Jesus gives us an example of this in Luke in chapter 21. And it says this. And he, Jesus, looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. And so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Now, I want you to, everyone, take a minute, take a second, and look down at your feet. Are you wearing steel-toed boots this morning? No? Be prepared. <laughs> All right, I, 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 this is going to get a little punchy and a little ouchy, okay? 
but it's ouchy and punchy on me as well. I can't preach to you what hasn't been first preached to me, right? But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. This seems strange to some. This seems strange to some. And, you know, I think about she had to have seen what other people put in. Because Jesus saw what other people put in. She had to have seen what those rich people were putting in. You say, Pastor David, is this about money? Is this about, is this about giving our possessions to the church? Is this? No, no, I, w- I want you to hear my heart here. She had to have seen what the rich people were giving. And I know the thoughts that would have been going through my head. Two mites. Two mites equal one denarii. It's nothing. Two mites is nothing compared to the riches that people were giving. And I can imagine that if I'm sitting there with my two mites, and I see that they're giving gold and valuables and diamonds, they're they're giving wealth. I can imagine sitting there with my two mites thinking, what good is my two mites? What good is my two nickels? They're giving $1,000, and I got 50 cents in my pocket. What good is my 50 cents? You say, Pastor David, so you are talking about money. No, I'm not talking about money. But we do this all the time. Maybe I shouldn't give what I have because it doesn't seem like it would make much difference. Maybe I shouldn't give what I have because it doesn't seem like it would make much difference. Well, I just don't have as much to contribute as others, so I guess I'll just contribute nothing. Well, you know, those people that are so talented in music, those people that are so talented in music, and I just, I can't, I can't keep a beat. So I guess I just won't serve. Boy, those people are so good with teaching children. Boy, those people are good with teaching children. And I just, I, I don't have, I'm not very good at that. So I guess I'll just sit back and contribute nothing. That's where it's getting a little punchy. Boy, you know, those people are so talented at doing that, and they're, they're giving so much to the ministry, and they're, I, I don't have very much to give. I have poverty in my soul. I just, I don't have much. And Jesus is calling us to give everything we have. Not just those who have much but those who have nothing. Does it really make a difference? You say, well, yeah, Pastor David, but does it really make a difference? (laughs) And he, Jesus, looking up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw the certain poor widow putting in two mites, and he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all 
For all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. This isn't about money. It's about the intent of our hearts. It's not about money. This isn't about, well, what are you saying, Pastor David, I should give more money next week? I'm telling you, it's about the intent of our hearts. Boy, they're so good. They're, they're, they're just oh, so good at what they do. It doesn't even matter what I do. Can I tell you something? There's a statistic in the church that says that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. This is one big reason why. This is one big reason why. Well, they're so talented. I just, I, I, don't, I don't have those abilities. I, I can't step out of my comfort zone. I can't be stretched in my faith. I can't learn something new. I am just going to sit back and, and take in. I'm going to sit back and, and take in. Well, they make, more, they make so much more money than I do. So why should I even consider giving? That's not the example of the widow. And that's not the example of the Macedonian church. And it shouldn't be the expectation of the church today. We have to get out of the mindset that that in the church we are here to, to be served. We have to get out of the mindset that in the church we are here to be served. Too many of us are satisfied, and and please hear my heart here. Lord, I pray that they hear my heart. You know, there's a lot of times where we take in, we we sit in our our comfortable chairs, and we we open our spiritual mouths to take in spiritual food. As long as it's sweet, as long as it's savory, as long as I get a bowl of ice cream, as long, don't give me those vegetables, Lord. How many people have ever been out to eat with me? You know I hate vegetables. You know if I go to a Chinese restaurant, I say, give me that plate, no vegetables, right? I can't stand them. But, some, but vegetables are good for you, right? And so sometimes the Spirit of the Lord wants to, wants to give you a meal, and it's just a meal full of vegetables. Wants to give you a meal, and it's just, it, it tastes bitter going down. Lord, it just doesn't taste all that great. Yeah, it's, it doesn't taste great, but it's great for you. Right? We have to get out of the mindset that we are here to be served. We're comfortable with taking in as much as we can, shaking a few hands, having a few laughs, and going home. Doing it again next week. Too many of us are satisfied with being served. But God has not called you to be served. Hear me. God has not called you to be served. God has called you to serve. Don't shout me down. God has called you to serve. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Romans 12 and verse 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
1 Samuel 12 and 24, Be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart, considering the great things He has done for you. I got more. Hebrews 9 and verse 14, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. John 12 and verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. My father, my father will honor the ones who serve me. Romans 12 and verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual, spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I got more. Matthew 23 and verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. Mark 10 and 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. This is the example we have been given to give and to serve. Okay, Pastor David, I get it. <laughs> Pastor David, I get it. Can you? Uh, we're called to serve. Pastor David, I get it. That was that was. I, I get how. How can I use? How can I use what I have? Pastor David, I get it. We're, we are called to serve. Okay, I know I'm called to serve, but how can I use what I have? And this is where the example of the Macedonian church leads us. One, they gave according to their ability. And yes, beyond their ability. One commentary says it this way. How much beyond their ability? Paul does not say. But there is no hint that this was reckless action on their part. The sense is that they determined what they could comfortably contribute and then went beyond it. The sense is that they determined what they could comfortably contribute and then they went beyond it. Man, Lord, this is going to stretch me. This is going to make me a little bit uncomfortable. You know, Lord, I, you know, I know that, uh, you know, this month, I can only give so much, but this is what I'm comfortable, do, comfortable doing, and Lord, push me just a little bit beyond that. And you say, well, Pastor David, are you talking about money? That's a part of it. Let's not be mistaken. That's a part of it. But that's not the whole of it. Well, you know, I never served in this ministry before. I don't know if I'd be any good at it. It's time to stretch yourself. Well, you know, I never, never really taught children's ministry before. Never did sound ministry before. Never been an usher before. It's time to start stretching ourselves. That they gave according to their ability and then beyond their ability. Please go to the first slide there. Sometimes the Lord is going to stretch and grow you. Number two. They freely gave. They freely gave. It was, they were freely willing. Listen, they were not pressured into giving. 
They gave willingly. It wasn't manipulation. It wasn't manipulation. I, I grew up in a culture where a lot of times people were manipulated to serve or to give money and all sorts of other things. It was wrong. And it still happens today. But that's not the example that we're given. The example that we're given is because our our hearts have been changed. Our hearts have been redeemed. So we freely give. They gave willingly. In fact, I like this. Uh, Go to the next one. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Next one. No, no. I'm sorry. Back one. (laughs) You got that? All right. Awesome. My fault. They were freely, freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. That, uh, read this again. They were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency. Here's what the picture is. The picture is this. There's an implication that the church of Corinth was hesitant to accept the gift. The church of Corinth did not want to accept the gift right away because they knew the sacrifice that it was for them. But they did this because they considered involvement in the relief effort a privilege. The involvement was a privilege. There's a lesson here about pride. There's a lesson here about pride. Just as we should be willing to give freely, hear me, we should also be willing to receive freely from those who feel compelled to give. Those who feel compelled to give. The church in Macedonia wanted to give to the church in Corinth. And they implored us with much urgency that we would receive the gift. Here's the interesting thing. The church in Corinth saw how deep in poverty they were. They saw how deep, I mean, this was sacrificial giving. And at first they say, no, no, you, you, that's, I mean, you need that. Use that. You need that. And the church in Macedonia says, we want to desperately, urgently give it to you. It is our privilege to do so. When I was a, a teenager, I, was, I went to a youth ministry, and um, after youth group, we was, used to always go out to eat. Used to always, everybody would get together and we'd go out to eat. And, uh, you know, it was McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or whatever it was along the way. Taco Bell was always a popular choice. But it cost about five bucks. Four or five bucks at that time, that, that could get by with a meal and a drink. And, and I remember one night, I just wasn't going to go because I didn't have any money. I just didn't. And my pastor at the time, his name was Pastor Fred, he came up to me and he gave me $5. He said, what's this for? He said, here's $5, go, go out to eat, have fun. And I did not want to take it. I did not want to take it. Something within me just, just 
I didn't want to take it. I felt like like I was taking charity or I felt like that's yours, that's not mine. And he said something to me that I will forever remember. Don't deny me the blessing I get from blessing you. Don't deny me the blessing I get from blessing you. It stuck with me. You have to freely give. Be willing to freely receive. Finally, the generosity of the Macedonian church was possible. Go to the next one. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. And then to Paul. Their their preeminent concern, their, their number one concern, their priority concern was this. How do I best serve Christ? Number one, before I'm going to give to Paul, I freely and firstly gave themselves to the Lord and then to us, the Corinthian church, by the will of God. So then we urged Titus that as he had begun, he would also complete this grace in you. What does that mean? So then we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you. What grace in you? What is he referring to? That they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They urged Titus, give first to the Lord and then to us. They gave out of their poverty because of the sincerity of their commitment to Christ. They gave out of their poverty. One minister says it this way, so great was their desire to serve Christ that they would not allow their economic situation to keep them from being involved in the Lord's work. So great was their desire to serve Christ they would not allow their economic situation to keep them from being involved in the Lord's work. This is why Paul describes the collection as a service. As a service. I love this, that that it's not just financial. It's not just financial. It's a ministry opportunity to the saints. It's a ministry opportunity. It's not just giving money. It's a ministry opportunity. It's ministering to us. Go back uh, one. That we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. It wasn't just financial. Please don't let the takeaway from this be that it's about money. It's not. It's about our heart's condition. It's about our heart's condition. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, this morning, Lord, you challenged me with this word. I know this is a challenging word. God, that we would give our all. Lord, that we would give our all. That we would give first to you and then 
to the church. Then we give where the needs are. Then, Lord, I pray this morning that, that our hearts would just be open to hearing what it is you want us to give. Lord, that, that, we, would ha- that we would be known as a giving church, not just financially, not just to the community, but to each other. That we would be known as a giving church, that we would be known not as a church that is here to be served, but as a church that is here to serve. Lord, I pray that I, as a pastor, I would be known as one to serve. That our leaders would be known to serve. That those who aren't in leadership, that you would call them to serve. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Lord, Let us follow your example in our lives. Thank you for showing us what it means to be a giving church. Lord, I pray over each person here this this week. Lord, that you would bless them. Lord, that you would keep them. Lord, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, that you would give them rest. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.